Uh, it's so good to see you. I want to welcome you here to Sunrise. Uh, my name is Russ, and it's been a privilege to be a part of this family now for many, many years. And whether it's your first time or you've been here many times, I hope you feel uh, that this is a place where you are welcome to come as you are. You're welcome here uh, with whatever you're carrying in the door. And we pray that in this time, uh, something will change for you uh, because you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's our, our prayer. Uh, nuestra oración es que ustedes sean bienvenidos tal como están, pero que salgan algo, con algo cambiado en su vida por un encuentro genuino con el Señor Jesucristo. You know, we just sent our children out the door, and I, I can't uh, get by without saying something about some, uh, another child that we sent out the door uh, last week, and that's our, our daughter church, Imago Church. They started Sunday morning worship last week And the report that I got back, now there's pastor's numbers and there's everybody else's numbers, right? So Pastor Carlos said 72 adults. Uh, the other number was 72 total. So, I mean, you guys figure it out. Somewhere in there, there were over 70 people at the first service for Imago. So we can, you know, give thanks to God. Damos gracias a Dios. Había más de 70 personas en el servicio inaugural del domingo en la mañana para la iglesia Imago. But here's the thing, you know what it is like when you send a child off to college or off to their first job, you're done as a parent, right? No, you're not. Of course not. That's just the beginning. So we have a lot of work yet to do. Hay mucho más trabajo para nosotros. And part of that might mean that you'll be tapped on the shoulder maybe to go and help with some childcare some Sunday. Or maybe somebody from our worship team will go over to help. They're going to still need our help and support. So don't stop praying for Imago Church. And be ready and open if, if that call, that invitation comes to help. If you can help, please, uh, that's what we as a parent church want to do. Uh, que estén abiertos a esa invitación para colaborar y que sigan orando por nuestra iglesia imago. So with that said, we want to turn our attention now to God's Word. And there are Bibles in the back that I want to invite you to use if you need them. Hay Biblias detrás que pueden usar. And we're going to turn to our scripture, which is, again, from the Gospel of Matthew. We're going through a, a journey through uh, this gospel, looking at the different story that Matthew tells us about Jesus. Estamos mirando Mateo, y la lectura es de Mateo 22, versículos 15 al 22. Today's reading is going to be from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. And again, page numbers up there to help you find it. If you're using those Bibles from the back, la página indica donde está el texto en las Biblias de atrás. But keep in mind, as we're just reading this part, through this series, through these last few weeks, we've been trying uh, to do something pretty ambitious. We've been trying to get our arms around two chapters of Scripture at a time. So today... We're looking at specifically Matthew chapter 21 and 22. That's a lot of material, so you'll want to keep your Bibles open. I'll be kind of jumping around and, and referring to different parts. So we'll read this, but keep in mind uh, we have a bigger scope here. Estamos uh, intentando cubrir dos capítulos, Mateo 21 22, así que tengan en mente uh, que eso y que tengan sus Biblias abiertas. So I'm going to read first in English, and then we'll read in Spanish. Primero leo en inglés. This is the good news. Uh, of our Lord, las buenas noticias del Señor. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, that is Jesus, in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. 
You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Entonces salieron los fariseos y tramaron cómo tenderle a Jesús una trampa con sus mismas palabras. Enviaron a algunos de sus discípulos junto con los herodianos, los cuales le dijeron, Maestro, sabemos que eres un hombre íntegro y que enseñas el camino de Dios de acuerdo con la verdad. No te dejas influir por nadie porque no te fijas en las apariencias. Danos tu opinión. ¿Está permitido pagar impuestos al César o no? Conociendo sus malas intenciones, Jesús replicó, hipócritas, ¿por qué me tienden trampas? Muéstrenme la moneda para el impuesto. Y se la enseñaron. ¿De quién son esta imagen y esta inscripción? Les preguntó. Del César, respondieron. Entonces, denle al César lo que es del César y a Dios lo que es de Dios. Al oír esto, se quedaron asombrados. Así que lo dejaron y se fueron. So today in Matthew chapter 21 and 22, uh, we're, we're watching again, we're seeing unfold this different story that, Jesus, or that uh, Matthew's telling about Jesus. In estos dos capítulos vemos una historia diferente de Jesús. And at chapter 21, 22, what we find is that there is a shift taking a place. From this point on, the shift is that Jesus is now taking a turn and he's accelerating towards the events that will lead him to the cross. Hay un cambio de velocidad aquí en capítulo 21. Jesús empieza a acelerar hacia la cruz, cambiar de velocidades. Now, I use the word shift very intentionally. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a car that has a manual transmission. I love that. I enjoy that. But to shift gears, what I have to do is I have to push in the clutch. You have to, in effect, kind of pause the engine. You push the, in, the clutch in, and then you change uh, the gear, and then you can go faster. Para cambiar una transmisión manual, hay que presionar el clutch, dar una pausa, y después cambiar de velocidad. In a sense... Bible scholars tell us that's kind of what starts to happen here in chapter 21. There's a series of shifts going on. The first big shift is that Jesus in 21 has, in a sense, pushed in the clutch on his ministry up in the north, in Galilee. He's paused that ministry. Jesús ha presionado el clutch de su ministerio en Galilea, en el norte. And now he's shifting gears, and from here on out, He's accelerating into the city of Jerusalem and towards the cross. Everything from this point on is going to take place in the capital, in, in this religious, social, political center of God's people. Jesús ya cambia de velocidades y está acelerando en Jerusalén esta capital social, política y religiosa. And it begins in chapter 21 with a story that many of us know called the triumphal entry. Comienza con la entrada triunfal. So Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem. As Cody says, he comes riding up into Jerusalem. And it is evident by the reception he receives that Jesus is coming as a king. Jesús viene como un rey. 
But in Matthew, he comes as a different kind of king. Viene como otro tipo de rey. He is coming not as a victorious, conquering king of war who would be on a white stallion riding into town. No es un rey de guerra sobre, sobre un caballo blanco, but no, he comes in a different way. He's coming as a king of peace, and he's riding on a donkey, which is not the symbol of grandeur and, and victory, but it's the symbol of humility. Viene como rey de paz sobre un burro, símbolo de la humildad. He's hailed as a king. The, the people uh, spread the palm branches, of course, and they, they shout out, Hosanna to the son of David. That is code language that says, here's the king in the line of David. Hosanna al hijo de David. Dice, yes, Jesus is a king. But Matthew's trying to tell us that Jesus is not your garden variety king. He's more than a king. Él es más que un rey. Why? Because you see, Jesus isn't coming into town to conquer his enemies by spilling their blood. He's coming to make peace with his enemies by spilling his own blood. Él no viene a conquistar a sus enemigos derramando su propia sangre, sino a, a conquistarlos con paz derramando su propia sangre. He's a king. But he's more than a king. Keep that in mind. And then there's another shift that happens right after that. Hay otro cambio de velocidad. As Jesus not only comes into Jerusalem as a king, in the very next scene we find him riding into the temple. He comes into the temple and here it is evident that Jesus is not only coming as a king, he's coming as a priest. Jesús viene al templo como un sacerdote. Now, as he does, the, the, the priests of the people are doing their business. The priests who are out of the line of Aaron are involved in this system of animal sacrifices, offering up animals for sin. Los sacerdotes involucran los sacrificios de los animales. It's a system that's been going on for a long time, but it's a broken system. Es un sistema quebrado. Why? Well, there are a number of reasons. One is that this is a system... That has excluded people. It has excluded the blind. It has excluded the lame because they cannot enter the temple courts. Ha excluido los cojos y a los ciegos. And now what's going on is the money changers, those who are converting Roman coins to Jewish coins for paying for sacrifices, they've set up shop in an area that is believed to be what's called the court of the Gentiles. It is the one place in the temple where non-Jews could actually try to get close to God and pray. And now they've been crowded out. Los que cambian dinero están en el atrio de los gentiles, el único lugar donde los no judíos pueden orar. And, and they've been pushed out. And so Jesus comes in and he pushes in the clutch. Jesús presiona el clutch. He, he clears the tables. He turns everything over. He cleans out the area. And for a brief moment, Bible scholars tell us, he stops that system of animal sacrifices that has not ever paid for one sin or actually forgiven one person. He pushes in the clutch. Jesús pausa la, da una pausa al sistema de sacrificios que no ha pagado ni un solo pecado. And in that moment, Jesus shifts and he stands as a priest. But he's a different kind of priest. He's a new priest. Es otro sacerdote. 
He's a king, first of all, who's also a priest because the children praise him. Hosanna to the son of David. The children are in the temple praising him. But look what else he does. If you look at the story, he actually, instead of pushing out the blind and pushing out the lame, he heals them. And sana los cojos y a los enfermos. And in all of this, he creates space for the Gentiles, also known as the nations, to come in and pray. Jesus is a priest. Jesús crea espacio para los gentiles para que oren y él es un sacerdote. But he's more than a priest. Él es más que un sacerdote. Why? Because you see, this priest will himself become the sacrifice for sin. Este sacerdote se hace sacrificio por el pecado. So he comes as a king. He comes as a priest. And even as he speaks against the exclusion of the Gentiles in the temple, Jesus is already starting to function in another way. He's starting to function also as a prophet. It's another shift. Al, al hablar en contra de la exclusión de los gentiles empieza a funcionar como profeta. And we come to the next scene where it's the next day. Jesus is coming back into Jerusalem. Después entra Jerusalén otra vez. This time, he's not coming in the form of a king, though he is one. He's not coming as a priest. This time, he's coming in the mode or the form of a prophet. Esta vez, él viene como profeta. He sees a fig plant at the side of the road, a fig tree, and it has no fruit on it. Ve una higuera sin frutos, and he speaks against it. He prophesies against it and curses it. El maldice la higuera, and what happens? It withers. Se marchita. And we, I don't know about you, but I look at that and I say, what, why did he do that? What's going on here? There's some symbolism going on, and Bible scholars point us to Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 13 in the Old Testament. Jeremías 8, 13 del Antiguo Testamento lo explica. I want to read what that, that scripture written hundreds of years before says. It says this, I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There will be no figs on the tree and their leaves will wither. What I've given them will be taken from them. Cuando quiero cosechar, afirma el Señor, no hay higos en la higuera, sus hojas están marchitas, voy pues a quitarles lo que les he dado. Through this scripture from Jeremiah, it is evident that the fig tree that's being talked about is the people of Israel. It's a symbol for the people of Israel. La higuera es símbolo de, del pueblo de Israel. And Jeremiah says, my people have not borne fruit. Therefore, their leaves are going to wither and I'm going to take their harvest from them. Mi pueblo no ha dado frutos, así que voy a quitarle su cosecha. Jesus here is speaking as a prophet about the people of Israel. But prophets don't just speak against. Prophets speak for And in that moment, he calls his disciples to faith. He says, if you just have faith, you can throw a mountain into the sea. He calls them up to faith, to bear fruit. Él llama a sus discípulos a tener fe, como para tirar una montaña en el océano. Jesus is a prophet. And the thing is, is that Israel has failed 
to bear fruit. Israel no ha llevado frutos. What was the mission of Israel? If you look at the Old Testament, you find that the mission of Israel was, first of all, to rule for God, to, to be a, a, a nation of kings. They were to express the kingdom of God, the rule and the blessing of God in the world. Los israelitas iban a expresar el dominio de Dios en el mundo como reyes. But now they're under Roman rule. They're not doing so well. Están bajo el imperio romano ahora. They were supposed to be a kingdom of priests. That's what the Old Testament says. A light to the nations. Even I said, nación de sacerdotes. They were supposed to reflect in the world the presence of God. They were supposed to represent God before the rest of the world. But instead of representing God to the world, they became like the world and got caught up in idolatry. They failed to bear fruit. En vez de mostrar a Dios en el mundo, se quedaron idolatras. They failed. And they were to have also the role of a prophet. They were to declare the truth of God. They were to call the nations to faith in God. Iban a declarar la verdad de Dios como profetas e invitar a la gente a la fe. And again, Israel did not live up to the standard. And so Matthew here in, in this space is comparing Jesus with Israel. Where Israel has failed, Jesus is now standing as king, as priest, as prophet. But that's not all. It goes on because he doesn't always, he doesn't just compare Jesus to Israel. He, he's comparing Jesus to the leaders of Israel. También Mateo compara a Jesús con los líderes de Israel que han fallado. They too are faithless and fruitless. If we go to chapter 21, verse 23, capítulo 21, 23, these leaders come to Jesus in an attempt to, to kind of put Jesus down, they say, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? ¿Con qué autoridad haces esto? Le preguntan a Jesús, ¿Quién te dio esta autoridad? And Jesus says, well, answer my question and I'll tell you. Si contestas mi pregunta, te diré qué autoridad tengo. John's baptism, was it from heaven or earth? Was it from God or was it from people? Bautismo de Juan era del cielo, la tierra de Dios o de los hombres. And the leader said, hmm, well, we're, we're too afraid to say that it was from, that was not from God. Tenemos miedo de decir que no era de Dios because the people think it was from God. And if we say it was not from God, they'll beat us up. Si decimos que no es de Dios, se van a enojar las personas con nosotros. And we're too ashamed to say that it is from God because we've always said it wasn't. Tenemos vergüenza de decir que era de Dios porque siempre lo hemos negado. So they throw up their hands to Jesus and say, we don't know. No sabemos. And Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you where my authority is from either. Why? Because you're supposed to be the authorities and you're not exercising authority and you don't even recognize authority when it stands in front of you. Ustedes son las autoridades pero ni la ejercitan ni la reconocen. And then right after that, what we find is a series of three different parables that Jesus tells, one right after the other, hay tres parábolas. And in those parables, Jesus is, is asserting his authority. He's shifting into high gear, and he's asserting his authority over Israel and over her leaders. Jesús declara su autoridad en contra de los líderes. There's a father who has two sons. Un padre tiene dos hijos. He sends them out to work in the fields. 
les invita a obrar en los campos. One says, says, no, I'm not going. But then he changes his mind and goes. Uno dice que no, después se arrepienta y, se, y va. The second son says, yes, I'll go, father. I'm a good boy. But then he doesn't go. Otro dice que sí, pero no va. Jesus is saying, Israel's leaders are the second son. Los líderes son el segundo hijo. They say yes all the time. But then they don't do it. And the prostitutes and the sinners are going to go ahead of them into the kingdom. Las prostitutas van enfrente de ellos en el reino. There's a vineyard owner, a propietario de viñedo. He rents out his vineyard to some tenants. Alquila el viñedo a unos labradores. But these tenants are terrible. When harvest time comes, when it's time to bear the fruit, the vineyard owner sends messengers, but they abuse the messengers and beat them up and even kill them. Cuando es tiempo de colectar la cosecha, envía mensajeros y los abusan y hasta los matan. And finally, the vineyard owner sends his very own son, the heir of the vineyard, and they kill him. Y después matan al heredero, el hijo del propietario. What's the message? Israel's leaders are the rebellious tenants of the vineyard. And they are going to kill the son, the very cornerstone of God's plan. They are rejecting and tossing out of Israel the vineyard. Los líderes son los labradores malvados que van a matar al hijo. And what is the problem? They've not borne fruit They've been faithless. They've been fruitless. If you look at chapter 21, verse 43, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, leaders, and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Les digo que el reino de Dios se les quitará a ustedes y se le entregará a un pueblo que produzca los frutos del reino. Finally, there's a king whose son gets married. Hay un rey cuyo hijo se casa. And there's a big banquet. Un banquete de boda. And the king sends out the invitations to all of the good, upstanding citizens of the kingdom. Invita a los ciudadanos. Buenos por decirlos. But they blow the king off. They reject the invitation. And not only that, they begin to mistreat and beat up the, the messengers that come out to invite them. Uh, rechazan la invitación y hasta abusan de los mensajeros. And so what does the king do? He goes outside the kingdom and he finds any and everyone who will hear the invitation and he invites them to come. El rey va más allá del reino e invita a todos. But here's the thing. To get into the wedding banquet, you've got to have the covering of the king. You've got to have the clothing of the king. Hay que tener las vestiduras del rey. And the covering of the king is faith. la fe. So we see Jesus here. He's a prophet. He's declaring the truth of God. And here's the moral of the story. Aquí la moraleja. The leaders of Israel and the people of Israel have missed their opportunity. They are faithless. They are fruitless. They're the fig tree that's withered. Los líderes de Israel han, han perdido su oportunidad. And in fact, in 22 verse 7, Jesus as a prophet makes a prediction. 
Él hace una predicción, 22.7, y says, The king is going to come and burn their city. El rey vendrá para quemar su ciudad. And 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, you know what happens? The Romans come into Jerusalem. They burn the city and they destroy the temple. 40 años después de la muerte de la resurrección de Jesús, llegan los romanos y queman la ciudad y destruyen el templo. Jesus is functioning as a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. Why? Because he's the fulfillment of the prophecy. Él es el que cumple con la profecía. Now, here's the point where it would be easy for us, and this is what I do when I read the Bible a lot. It's so easy to read these things and say, yeah, Israel, boy, those people were bad. What a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, those leaders, they were, they were terrible. Aren't people terrible? I mean, just, oh, look at that. Es muy fácil echar la culpa a los líderes, a los israelitas, but here's the point. I think Matthew would have us to realize Israel are us. Kind of talking like a soccer announcer after watching the World Cup, you know. Israel are us. We are Israel. Somos Israel. We were created. Since Adam and Eve, we were created to have dominion over the earth, to rule God's creation. Fuimos criados para regir y tener dominio sobre la creación de Dios, to express the authority and the rule of God in the world, but we blew it. And if you look at our world today, we're not doing a very good job of it. It's a mess. We've been fruitless. We were created, the Bible tells us, in the image of God. Fuimos creados a la imagen de Dios. That means we were created to represent God in this world, to reflect the glory and the greatness of God, to, to show forth God's presence in the world. Fuimos creados para reflejar la gloria de Dios. But the Bible tells us we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have failed in our efforts as priests to represent God adequately in this world. No hemos representado a Dios, hemos pecado y somos privados de la gloria de Dios. At creation, God said to the human race, be fruitful and multiply. Sean fructíferos y multiplíquense, dijo Dios. Now, what is that about? Well, yes, it's about biological growth, but you know what else it is? We were created to be prophets. We were created to spread the truth of God to the next generation and to generations after that. We were created to be fruitful and to fill the earth with people who would believe in God and express His rule and His glory and His goodness. That's what we were created to do. But the generations haven't gotten the message very well, and we are struggling with that even today. We have failed as prophets in our own homes. Hemos fallado como profetas. Israel are us. That's bad news. But here's the good news. Aquí las buenas noticias. 
where Israel has failed, where the leaders have failed, where we have failed, where we have been less, and Israel's been less, and the leaders have been less. Jesus is more. Jesus is más. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed, appointed one who is a king, but he's more than a king. He's a priest, but he's more than a priest. He's a prophet. He's more than a prophet. Él es un sacerdote y más, un rey y más, un profeta y más. Jesus is more. Even though we are faithless and fruitless, Jesus is more. Who is he? ¿Quién es Jesús? If you look at the end of chapter 22, you find this debate about whose son is the Christ. ¿De quién es ese hijo de Cristo? Es un debate. And Jesus says, yeah, you say the Messiah is the son of David. And on one level he is. He's a king out of David's line. Es hijo de David. But let me ask you this, Jesus says. How can it be then that in Psalm 110, uh, David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. ¿Cómo es que David dijo, el Señor dijo a mi Señor, siéntate a mi derecha? In other words, how did David have this vision of God the Father saying to this other person that he calls Lord, sit down and be my Messiah? How can David call his son Lord? ¿Cómo que David llama a su hijo Señor? Only one way. He's not just David's son. He's the son of God. He's not just a Lord. He is the Lord. My Lord said to my Lord, Él es el Señor. And Jesus has come to express in the world the full authority of God as king, the full presence of God as priest, the full truth of God as prophet, and more. Él ha expresado la autoridad, la presencia y la verdad de Dios. Now, Here's the question we always need to answer. So what? What does this have to do with you and me? ¿Qué tiene que ver esto con nosotros? Now's where we finally come to the, the scripture we read earlier from Matthew chapter 22, 15. I think there's a clue here. Hay indicio, Mateo 22, 15. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders, come with a group called the Herodians, who were political leaders. Los líderes fariseos, religiosos, vienen con Herodianos, los políticos. And they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we've got an important question for you. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Debemos pagar impuestos a Caesar o no. Now, if Jesus says, don't pay taxes, he has become a rebel to the crown, He's rebelling against Caesar, and he will be arrested on the spot. Si dice no paguen, lo van a arrestar ahora como rebelde. But if Jesus says, yes, do pay taxes, that's a problem too. Si dice paguen impuestos, es un problema. Why? Because Caesar has set himself up as God. He's divine. And if you're going to pay tribute to someone who's divine as a good Jew, you're a traitor to your people, and you're engaging in idolatry to pay taxes to a guy like that. Si César dice ser divino y pagas impuestos, estás sometiéndote a él. Jesus cuts through that and he says, show me the coin you use for paying the tax. Muéstrenme la moneda. Whose image, whose picture, whose inscription is on this coin? ¿De quién son esta imagen, esta inscripción? And of course the answer is Caesar. It's Caesar's image. On the coin. Es la imagen del César. Now there's another question going on here that I think is a silent question, but I think it's in the air. 
Hay otra pregunta en el aire. And the question is this. Whose image and whose inscription is stamped upon you? ¿De quién son la inscripción y la imagen en tu vida? And the answer from Scripture is, God's image is on you and me. La imagen de Dios está sobre nosotros. So then it's quite a simple matter. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Denle a César lo que es de César. The coin has an image of a guy who says he's a god, Bible scholars say. Tiene la imagen de un Dios, por lo visto. Well, the Hebrews believed you shouldn't have any images of God around in your life anyway, so get rid of that thing. Get it out of your life. No deben tener la imagen de un Dios en, en ustedes. Deshaganse de eso. But you have God's image on you. Give to God. What belongs to him? Give him your all, your life. And in fact, just a few verses later, Jesus says, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you're supposed to be about. Ama Señor tu Dios con toda tu mente, tu corazón, tu alma y tu prójimo como a ti mismo. The Romans said Caesar is Lord, but Jesus is more. Jesus is Lord. Jesús es el Señor. And if Jesus is Lord, and if Jesus is more than, here's the thing, if we have connected ourselves with Him by faith, if we've trusted in Jesus who is more, where we are less, then we are invited and called to be more and to do more. Si Jesús es más, nos invita a ser y a ser más. We're called, we're invited by Jesus to love more, to live more, to give more, to worship more, to share more in our lives. Nos invita a adorar más y dar más y compartir más. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you are less, so you got to try harder to be more. Don't we love that message just a little bit more? No digo que ustedes son menos, hay que hacer el esfuerzo de hacer más. No. Here's the point. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the image of Jesus Christ is now being stamped on your life. His image and inscription is on you. La imagen de Cristo está en tu vida. You're a Christian. A Christian means an anointed one, a little Christ, one who is like Jesus. Eres cristiano, ungido como Jesús. We're anointed like Jesus, our anointed one. We're connected to him, and it is because of that that we have the opportunity where we were less to be more. By his power, por su poder. So there's three words I want to leave you with that I hope will kind of get you thinking this week. Hay tres palabras, and they all begin with W, and I want to go through them. The first word is work, trabajar. How can I, 
How can we, in our work this week, whether we get paid for it or not, how can we, in our work, in our service, express more of the rule of God as little kings in the image of Christ? ¿Cómo en el trabajo podemos expresar el reino de Dios? Your work is actually a way for the kingdom of God to get into our world. Your service is a place where Jesus can reign. How can you be more intentional in that this week? Second word, worship, adorar. I'm not just talking about right here where we sing some songs. I'm talking about how can we, through our lives this week, as people who were created in the image of Christ, how can we be priests? How can we reflect? How can we worship God and reflect His presence and reflect His glory? What more can I, how can I be more intentional about that in whatever I'm doing this week? ¿Cómo puedo yo reflejar como un pequeño sacerdote la imagen y la gloria de Cristo en mi vida y en mi alrededor? And then the third work, is related to this, I think, it's witness, testificar. How can I, as one who is anointed by Christ to be a prophet after His mold, how can I declare the truth of God in my life and invite other people to faith? ¿Cómo puedo declarar la verdad de Dios como profeta e invitar a las personas a la fe? I can tell you I can't do it, but Jesus can because he's more. Jesús puede hacer esto, and I can do all things through Christ, the scriptures tell me. Puedo hacer todas las cosas en Cristo que me fortalece. So I want to invite you right now to pray with me and, and to be pondering this and to live into this. Let's worship. I'm, I'm going to invite our worship team up, and we're going to spend a time in singing and praising Jesus, our anointed King, Priest, and Prophet. Vamos a adorar a Jesús, nuestro Rey, Sacerdote y Profeta Ungido. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. I think of so many ways I have failed this week so many ways where I have fallen short of the mark. Pienso en las maneras que he fallado y pecado esta semana. And I know I am less than what I should be. Sé que soy menos de lo que debo ser. And my only comfort, my only encouragement, is that where I am less, you are more. Mi único ánimo es que donde yo esté menos, tú eres más. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us right now as we worship to lift up our eyes to the hill where our help comes from, the hill called Calvary. Our help comes from the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ayúdanos a levantar nuestros ojos al monte que es Calvario, de donde viene nuestro socorro. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you now in your holy name. En tu santo nombre te alabamos ahora.